0: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast, join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People.
1: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me Spencer Locker.
0: And me, Victoria Garrett.
1: You don't know how close I came to say me, Martin Johnson, then. <laughs> how are you doing, Victoria?
0: I'm good. How are you, Spence?
1: Yeah, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Those two days we've just been doing was uh, pretty cool, actually. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, but now we're back in the office, now we're back in the, uh, the podcast room, and uh, we're going to put something together for the good ladies and gentlemen from T2 Towers. So um, one of the things that's been playing on my mind, Victoria, is the uh, we've been engaging with a few clients recently, um, quite a few clients, actually. Um, But one thing that seems to be quite a a sort of a common trait or a common uh, opinion out there is, is this sort of misunderstanding or confusion about coaching and mentoring because just just to put things into a context working with lots of different clients across uh, lots of different sort of business spectrums so um, private sector public sector um, uh, manufacturing business uh, uh, sales all sorts so it covers all sort of areas um, but we 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 just seem to be getting a lot of coaching and mentoring questions and and well yeah so there's a bit of confusion out there yeah. or, or or maybe maybe it's not confusion maybe it just needs a little bit of clarification yeah so if I may put that on your toes V
0: yes
1: what is what is the difference are they the same or are they totally different or in your experience yeah tell me about coaching and mentoring
0: well you're right Spence. Coaching is a buzzword that's been around for quite a lot of years now, I'd say since probably the early 90s. Um, But it is, in my experience, um, a term that is often misunderstood, certainly when you tie it into mentoring. And that's partly because the evidence that's out there, if you Google it, is kind of confused as well. So just taking it right back and thinking a little bit about the history of coaching to start with. Coaching, when we think of sport, it's quite clear cut, isn't it? If you want to learn a new skill in in sport, you would get a coach and they would teach you how to do it. And I think that's where some of the confusion lies, because in business, it's slightly different. Now, in the history, there was a gentleman called Tim Galway, who was working with lots of sports clubs. Um, and he wrote a book called The Inner Game. And he wrote it first for tennis, and then for skiing and for golf as well. I think he actually went on to write it for quite a few sports. But He was basically looking at the internal obstacles and in order to improve performance, really, and what that looked like. And then along came a gentleman called John Whitmore, who is a guru, really, in the coaching world. A guru? A guru in coaching. eh? For anyone that knows anything about coaching, they've probably tried the GROW model, and that was by John Whitmore. But he wrote the first text that came out in terms of business coaching, and that was in the early nineties. And he was a guru. At the time, he was a racing driver. And he was kind of thinking, well, do you know what? If this works in sport, why does this not work in business as well? And he wrote the book Coaching for Performance back in the very early 90s. And that really has has been where coaching has grown from. So that's that element. Mentoring has kind of always been around, probably without a badge or a label. It's just something we did to support staff, which is maybe where a bit of the confusion comes from. But if we think about them in terms of approach and tools, they are very different approaches. And when when I teach it, I try to teach them as two individual tools that then once we understand what they are independently, we can then bring them back together because they can be used interchangeably. So coaching is very much creating space for somebody to reflect and to unlock potential in order for them to grow, ultimately to empower them, improve self-esteem. The net gain is performance. Okay? Mentoring is when we have seen or somebody's come to us with a skill gap and said, I've got this new bit of software. I don't know how to use it properly. I'm not getting the best out of it. Or I'm new to this post and I don't really know where best to sort of spend my time or where to focus my attention they're crying out for a mentor someone to take them under the wing and say let me show you let me facilitate some guidance maybe you need a bit of training but let's let's put a program of support together whereas coaching is the polar opposite the coach doesn't speak they do very little talking they just ask big powerful questions in order for the coachee to reflect and to come up with their own decisions does that make sense? So they are very different in approach.
1: Yeah, and, and you can you can sort of predict where the confusion could come from because if if somebody, uh, let's say for the sake of argument, somebody in L&D, uh, with uh, internal L&D or HR or whatever, if they were approached and sort of said, sort out some coaching and mentoring, and their only experience of coaching and mentoring was their sports experience then when they, if they approach coaching and mentoring from that sports direction, it's sort of the other way around to how business does it. Yes. Uh, that's my understanding of it from what you... Yes. Yeah. So we can see if they come into contact with somebody who is a business coach mm-hmm. or a business mentor, and they try and sort of... There's, there's the disconnect there, isn't there? The a yeah. little potential for a, a bit of a disconnect. Yes. You know what? Thank you for that. That's, it's, it's nice to actually sort of get a little bit of clarity where that's concerned. So... Okay, so what about the application? I mean, whereabouts would you use coaching and whereabouts would you use mentoring? Which, which approach is best?
0: Well, sometimes people will come to us with a need right. and we can unpick it from there. Sometimes mm-hmm. we can see a need or a gap and we can ask for it. It's, it's much better certainly for coaching if somebody comes to you then you go to them because sometimes again in my experience it can be seen as punishment when you say you need coaching it's like what have I done wrong you know and it's not that at all but if we look at it in its most simple terms I would say coaching works very well when we've identified some sort of personal issue that's blocking performance so this could be a lack of confidence so they've got a big presentation to do and they don't feel they're up to the task. Or it could be that they're in a new role and they feel like the role's too big for them and they've got a bit of imposter syndrome going on. Or it could be you've got two or three members of the team, somebody new comes in and the dynamics changed and there's a bit of a personality clash there. They might be struggling with time management, feel overwhelmed. Anything mm-hmm. that's kind of got a, a, an emotion attached to it or something personal attached to mm-hmm. it is usually a coaching um, right. approach okay. as opposed to a mentoring approach which is usually more aligned to professional development in my experience which is when somebody needs additional skills so it could be a new member of staff in the department that needs to be trained up in something it could be somebody struggling with a new project they've been given a project to do and they've never done project management and they don't really know where to start much more skill gap led does that make sense mm-hmm. of having an initial conversation with somebody yeah. will help you dictate which route you head down to start with Mm. Not to say down that route, mm. the work with some interchanging, actually something, <clears throat> oh, right, we might need a bit of mentoring here on that or mentoring to coaching, but you would start with an initial plan right? one way or the other.
1: Right. So um, I, I think um, we've seen it in, in a number of organisations where, um, let's say for the sake of argument, a project has has been suggested or, or, or a need has been recognised for a certain um, a. a, a sort of journey in a certain direction Uh, and maybe uh, a junior or an inexperienced uh, staff member is sort of tasked with this but alongside of that they say and uh, along the way you'll be mentored by such and such so that might be a more experienced member of staff Uh, and you know what this might even be that sort of progression planning sort of saying, right, okay, then, so this senior member, member of staff who's very experienced, but maybe going to a different employer or a different branch or or maybe even retiring or something like that. So what you're doing is you're bringing somebody in early doors and you're getting them to mentor them, sort of passing on the benefit of their experience maybe, yeah, uh, yeah. in the sense that, well, you know what, eventually I'm going to bang out of this and you'll be flying solo. And, yeah. Yeah. and it's
0: a really good point, Spencer, because actually when it comes to coaching, the coach does not need to be the more experienced individual. In mm. fact, you can coach, a good coach can coach anybody in any organization at any level. You are a professional soundboard because you're always just there to encourage reflection and lock potential. you absolutely like from the mentoring perspective, the mentor, whoever that is, has to be the more experienced member of staff. Now that doesn't mean they've been in the business longer. Sometimes there's, there's something called reverse mentoring, for example, where somebody from the top of the organization, so to speak, could be mentored by somebody on the ground who's kind of got more skills let's say social media because they've got the finger on the pulse and actually they could teach the senior executives a thing or two Mm. but somebody in that relationship has to be more experienced than the other to pass on that skill gap so you're right the skills of the two types of mentor the two types of approaches coaching mentors are very very different
1: right yeah yeah good stuff um when you said about what we're just talking about the what works best um coaching or mentoring there was a there was a few things that you mentioned about um, certain situations are going to require this approach. Certain situations are going to require that approach. Some will re- require coaching. Some will require mentoring. So, in, in sort of in a nutshell, for let's say we're talking to somebody who, who, who needs to know what the difference is between coaching and mentoring. Yeah. That I mean, I know we've talked. We've talked briefly about um, sort of. Um, We've talked about definitions, but when we start talking about these different approaches, what do they they look like?
0: Yeah, and they are literally polar opposites. So, for example, with coaching, you're creating space to think. With mentoring, you're actually advising and suggesting. Two completely opposites there. Equally, coaching is very sort of non-judgmental. With mentoring, you may need to make judgments because you're gonna be actually observing somebody perhaps doing something and then giving them feedback or can I give you some advice on this? The coach needs not be the expert. The mentor needs to be the expert. With coaching, we're looking at different questioning techniques, so we're looking at open questions or non-directive questioning, as opposed to mentoring, where we would actually want to clarify certain elements and get to grips with what that person knows and understands, so we're going to be much more directive in our questioning, asking more closed questions. So we see very much coaching as being more of a hands-off approach in general, mentoring much more of a hands-on approach. So you can see just from those few examples, they really do sit at opposite sides of the spectrum. However, you can overlap the two. Mm. And the, only, the way you do that is quite simple. It's by asking for consent, which might sound a bit strange. Mm. But if I'm coaching somebody and I'm in that open, asking open, non-directed questioning, but there's something that I think I could share with them that I think they'd really benefit from knowing because I have similar experience in that field, I wouldn't just share that without saying, I've got some ideas that I'd like to share because I've got some experience in this field. Would you like me to share them with you? if my coachee says, no, I keep my mouth shut. If the coach, which never happens. Mm. If the coachee mm. says, yes, please do. We then move across into a mentoring role where we're now advising and suggesting. And that is how we move between the two types of techniques. Mm. So I'd be asking different questions now advising and suggesting.
1: Right. Right. Cause that actually uh, about halfway through your answer there, I was thinking, well, right at the beginning, I was thinking to myself, so so the opposite ends. So the sort of binary it's a binary choice and the mutually exclusive. But no, that's not the case. You you yeah. you just alluded to that, where we're sort of saying we we we've got that opportunity where what did you call it? Consent.
0: Yes, if we ask consent's probably <clears throat> the best word I can think of, but mm. we basically have to ask permission yeah. in order to move across into that role. Because actually mm. with coaching, it's not our place to advise and suggest. Mm. It's for them to have that space to reflect. So it's not my place to talk and tell. Mm. If they want me to because they're stuck and I think I could help, then with permission I can do that. Yeah. And that's where I become the mentor. And this mm. is where coaching and mentoring work really beautifully together with a combination of the
1: two. Right, right. Oh, right, okay, okay. So some people know this, some people don't, but sort of questioning people is a bit of a hobby of mine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you mentioned about when we were talking about um, the differences between the, the coaching and the mentoring, you talked about directive and non-directive questioning. Can you can you tell, talk a bit about that, please?
0: Yeah, which is, is a bit of a, again, they're quite sort of difficult terms to get your head around, aren't they? But ultimately, we're talking about open versus closed questioning techniques or open versus closed stroke clarifying questions. Yeah. Um, and this is, in my experience, one of the biggest issues that that people have when they are coaching or mentoring is they get a mm-hmm. real block as to, I don't know enough questions. I, I don't know where to take the question in and they get really hung up about it. And when I first started training to be a coach back in 2010, I used to have like two or three sheets of A4 with like just hundreds of questions on them that somebody would say something and then I'd have to sort of scan the questions to think what's the next best question to ask to go off in a certain direction. And obviously that just stilts a nice nice organic conversation really. So it really is the one thing as a coach or mentor that you have to really get to grips with and become good at asking the right questions to elicit the Mm. information that you want to guide somebody from point A to point B. Right, But there are some fantastic models out there, certainly within the coaching arena, like the grower model that I mentioned with John Whitmore, but there are others, the Oscar model, the fuel model to to name, but a few there that can be used to help guide you through that questioning technique that keeps it really simple and Mm. you can actually coach somebody in as little as four questions and you could repeat those questions with almost every member of staff in whatever given circumstance so you can coach very quickly and easily Mm. and the more you realize it's just actually a dialogue it's just the way you ask the question and you don't worry so much about the question. You just worry about the way you're asking it. Does that make sense to, yeah, in order to get does. what you need out of it? So yeah, it's it something that does, people do worry mm. about, but they shouldn't.
1: No, And, and uh, just, just sort of sticking with that sort of agenda for the moment, um, we, a lot of organizations we work with, particularly recently, uh, when we start talking to them as individuals, as teams, as, as, as complete organizations, one of the things that uh, is very important to people is effective communication. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and as much as, as much as they say effective communication sometimes they don't really realize that effective communication is both transmit and receive yeah. it's listening as much as it is asking so when we start talking about the the different styles of questioning the the um the directive and the non-directive questioning uh, and people getting fixated and worried about which questions which mm-hmm. how do I know what question means this and what it's it's not so much worrying about that but making sure that you focus on what the answers are, because the answers can inform the direction you go, the length of the engagement, the amount of understanding, that so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And especially for coaching, listening is one of the key skills that you will need as a good coach, because they are doing the majority of the talking. And you're right what you say, we coach the whole person. Mm. We don't coach them just personally or professionally. What they bring to work is their whole self. And we have to do that. The challenge here in this COVID world yeah. is that we're often not face-to-face with somebody. So we mm. have the luxury of being face-to-face. You can see the body language. You yeah. can see the leg you know sort of moving up and down as you're talking and, yeah. and as a coach you're thinking why there's some anxiety there sitting mm. behind that question that I need yeah. to unpick we don't have that when we're sitting staring at a screen and we're only seeing sort of head and shoulders which makes it so much more challenging and sometimes
1: us. we don't even see that
0: no if got no. The it be, they the could be on the telephone we could coach but it's fine mm. it just means we have to sort of explore things a little bit deeper yeah. and go that to the extra mile but you're absolutely right it's not so, just about the questions it's about observing the person and the body language and the Effective comms. You're right. Yeah.
1: Right. So, what about the benefits of coaching? I mean, yeah, we've we've talked about um what the sort of the definition of coaching. We talked about which sort of pr- approach might work best. What sort of approach? What what um application, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, uh, we've talked about the the differences between coaching and mentoring, and uh, the fact that they can be opposites, but actually they aren't mutually exclusive, and they could be intertwined. And we talked about the sort of the question questioning styles that we can use or the two basic questioning styles we can we can apply Um, but we don't really think about what coaching and mentoring can give an organization what are the benefits what are the what can an organization expect results wise from an effective coaching and mentoring program
0: well there's a lot of research out there that shows the benefits to organizations not just to the individuals involved but to the people that actually coach and mentor as well the stats are really quite huge and what what often the, the the research shows as well is that those that have had coaching and mentoring often go on to want to give back and mm. continue the cycle so I've heard a lot of organizations saying they want to move towards a coaching and mentoring culture and they want to embed it in in everyday sort of application Mm. of everything that they do. And actually, when we start to do that, what we're doing is really empowering our staff because a good coaching or mentoring program, both parties will get as much out of it as each other. Mm. So it's not just about giving your skills. A good coach will learn as much in return. So what you're doing by investing in a coaching mentoring strategy is you're really starting to empower your staff. You're really starting to increase engagement by making people feel heard, feel Mm. valued, feel respected. Mm. Everybody's learning from everybody else. So it helps motivate teams. It obviously is unblocking potential. So once we've unblocked potential, well, the possibilities are endless, aren't they? But the research shows that organizations that can do it and do it well, have massively improved retention Mm. and ultimately improved performance. Mm. So what's not to like?
1: Got you, I, I, and I do agree with what you're saying there. I, I do agree what you're saying. So I think we've got to go right back to the beginning again at this stage now. Why aren't more organisations employing this? Is it because of a, a lack of clarity, a lack of understanding of the roles of of, of coaching and mentoring? Because we, we talked about misunderstanding right at the beginning, didn't we? Mm-hmm. So do you think that um, they may have tried, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's every, every situation is different, every organisation is different, but do you think that they may have tried it got it confused, it didn't really work, so we kicked that into the bin, Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. yeah? I think one of the things I hear more more often than not is that people just say, we haven't got the time to do this. And actually, that is so incorrect because, as I say, a coaching conversation could be as simple as four questions. So I would would question that and say, so do you never have one-to-ones? Do you not have CPD? Do you ever have conversations with your line managers, with your staff, ad hoc? Do you ever go over to their desk and say... What are you doing? Mm. Well, yeah, well, then you can coach. Mm. You don't need time to create a coaching program. It's just a dialogue. Mm. It's just the way you turn those questions around. That's either you telling somebody to do something mm. or you empowering them to give them choices to make their own decisions, empower them and in- improve their self-esteem and make them feel as though they are uh, in-, in control of what it is mm. that they're doing and they have choices with that. Right. So it doesn't take time. It's not an onerous thing. It's quite straightforward, but I think the time it takes for an organization to really embed it top to bottom, left to right, up to down, is mm. such that perhaps they want to do it, but they're not quite sure what it is, yeah. how to do it and what it's gonna cost or how to sort of turn that the, those wheels around mm. in that direction. So perhaps it's just in the too difficult to deal with pile. Or they've had a girl, as you say, mm and they've stalled. And yeah. I've worked with organizations that have spent many, many, many months, weeks, hours around the table, just trying to distinguish what does coaching and mentoring even mean? Yeah. So they've not even got past first base before yeah. they've moved on from it. But I suppose if nothing else is shared from this session, other than um, don't be scared of it, give it a go, mm. just embrace it and start to learn or come on one of our courses where you can learn some of those simple techniques to just start. That snowball rolling, you'll soon see the benefits. Mm. There's lots of light bulb moments to be had, yeah, um, and re- real opportunities for growth. So,
1: right, and it certainly sounds to me that um, it's a skill set, both coaching and mentoring. It's a skill set that's almost essential mm. for a good manager, good team leader, good supervisor, somebody who is who is. Um, oh, I, I don't like to say the word controlling, overseeing. Um, possibly uh, a role model, somebody who is has got some people working for them um, to actually empower them and yeah. to give them, um, add to their skill sets, then maybe you've got to sort of encourage maybe, maybe it might be one of these CPD things where where you're sort of looking at somebody and saying, right, you're now a, a sort of reasonably experienced manager or leader or, or whatever you want to call it we need to get you we'll put you on a coaching and mentoring course or something like that just so mm-hmm. so and and again it might not necessarily be you are a formal coach or a formal mentor mm-hmm. but allowing your interactions with your team yeah to have a coaching bent or a or a mentoring bent mm-hmm. uh, whichever you see is is applicable mm-hmm. again it's an essential tool. we mm-hmm. talk about the toolkit don't we mm-hmm. yeah engineers have a toolbox Uh, And this toolbox holds many tools, uh, but you're not going to use every tool on every job. But the moment you get to a job where you need a certain tool and it isn't in your box, you can't do that job effectively. So, yeah, equipping managers, leaders, supervisors, whatever you like calling them, with the skill set of coaching and mentoring is a pretty sort of easy question to answer, I -hmm. think
0: probably one of the most underutilized leadership approaches out there really but those that do and invest in it and get it right see the results almost instantaneously I did a session once in a in an organization and um I tasked the leaders to go off and have a go with a member of staff on a coaching sort of model and they came back for the next session and there was this there was one particular female and she said I really struggle with not talking at my staff and telling them what I want them to do. It just feels like whether it's coming from a control, I don't know, but it just, it just feels like I would rather be that person that says, right, what I'd like you to do is this, this, and this, and, and sort of tell them mm. what my needs are. And by tasking them with this coaching approach and asking the same questions, but almost just another, a different way around. She said, I got to this stage where I asked a question and the, the member of staff I was talking to didn't have the answer. And there was this really awkward silence and I told them to allow that silence to happen if it happens so she did and she said we sat there and it felt like hours it was only seconds <laughs> but it just felt like this gap was <laughs> and I literally wanted to put my fist in my teeth you know just bite my I was just like so wanted to jump in and help but I didn't and eventually the member of staff said well I could do xyz and she said she gave me something that I could then jump on and say mm. fantastic sir what are you going to do from here then? And actually yeah. move forward. And she said, I actually saw the body language by the end of that little coaching or that conversation. I saw the body language of that member of staff change. The shoulders went back, they stood a little bit taller and they actually walked out there. She could actually see how empowered they were that they'd come up with their own solution. And she said, it was a massive light bulb that I thought, this is where I can free up so much time as a leader for myself, by giving people back the tools that they need to empower themselves to make mm-hmm. their own decisions. And it was just almost like freeing for her to think,
1: yeah.
0: why have I, I've got it wrong so much. But when I always say, when, when you are coaching somebody and they go quiet, that's when the magic happens. Mm. Because when we talk about unlocking potential, when people don't have an instant answer to something, it's because they're going to have to dig a little bit deeper to think a bit deeper. And that's what we're trying to encourage. Mm. So it can be difficult to start with. It can feel awkward, but not to be scared of it and to just mm. allow that magic to happen in those moments um and allow people to make their own choices they'll feel more accountable and ultimately it will drive results and self esteem so mm.
1: excellent just just as we're coming up to 25 minutes now um just something that you mentioned earlier on and um and I, I give myself a little bit of a wry smile you mentioned about reverse mentoring yes um where somebody from a senior more senior position yes can actually learn from uh, a more junior member of staff yeah. may- maybe so, have you any experience of this? Any any sort of ex- examples that you could pull out? And-
0: I have. Only, only in one organization I've ever worked with that used... There are different types of mentoring um, approaches. Reverse mentoring is one. Mm. There's also executive mentoring as well between executives. Mm. There's one-on-one mentoring, group mentoring, training mentoring. It's mm. all different types of mentoring strategies. Yeah. But reverse mentoring, I think, is one that actually really empowers people. And, and it allows people... That wouldn't normally have access to say senior leaders that opportunity not just to have access and talk to them, but to build networks with them, mm. and actually teach them something as well. There's a program at the moment, Spence, I don't know if anybody is uh, that's listening has seen it as well called Undercover Boss. Mm. And it very much focuses on that reverse mentoring type approach where the boss kind of goes back. They sort of make themselves look different. They mm. shave the hair off yeah. and pretend they've got tattoos and things. And they go back on ground floor level and just talk to people and actually learn, all right, they're looking at it from what's going wrong perspective. Mm. But it's very much based on reverse mentoring that actually sometimes people at the top can very much, I don't like to talk hierarchically, but people at the top can very much learn from juniors a thing or two. And I think it's such an opportunity that's missed. And it just showed, you know what, there is no hierarchy because I can learn from you, you can learn from me, and we all learn from each other. And what better to do for a team than to all empower each other and share knowledge and never see yourself as somebody that's above anybody else. But instead, we're all on the same level in that way, that we've all got different skills. We all bring bring different, you know, qualities, experience, that as a hotbed, we could just all throw in the pot and learn Mm -hmm. from one another and all grows as together. And I think any organisation that that embeds anything like that in their mm. strategy moving forward is onto a winner.
1: Yeah, yeah. And do you think that there's any potential there for being disra- disrailed by things like ego?
0: Absolutely. I think that's what stops people doing it. Or maybe they just don't even know these things exist. Mm. Um, and just coming on a course and, and realizing what scope you've got mm. to play with, with coaching and mentoring, that if you came on one of our courses, we could we could show you. Yeah. Um, Might be all it takes to kind of go, I didn't even really know that was a thing but yeah. actually now i do that could be something really useful so yeah come along have a yeah. listen <laughs> see what you can take from one of our sessions if it's help if this if this podcast has been has been helpful um maybe it's a good time to have a think about it yeah.
1: so with the, thanks thanks victoria so so we two two minutes to go very uh, very aware of time i wonder if i could ask you to give me a quick summary about everything we've talked about today
0: wow whistle stop tour. yeah, yeah whistle stop tour. <laughs> So coaching ultimately is a dialogue. It's a conversation where we're encouraging other people to release potential, unlock potential in themselves. We do very little talking as the coach, but we act as the professional soundboard. Mentoring is a strategy where there's different strands of mentoring different styles of mentoring as terms of a program we can embed to help somebody to gain professional skills and, and improve sort of expertise in certain areas so somebody's got to be more experienced than the person um, whether that's top to bottom left to right up to down it doesn't matter different approaches we can do that but we're all learning skills from one another and following um, those the, the growth of that person in learning those skills through smart objectives and things like that we're actually setting action plans and strategies so two very different approaches but fantastic outcomes in terms of research uh, for businesses if you did invest in a, in a culture of coaching and mentoring for individuals and ultimately retention performance some of the some of the bigger messages so say what's not to love Who. <laughs>
1: Thanks, V. Absolutely brilliant. Really enjoyed that. Um, excellent. And, I, and I'm sure people listening will, be, will, will feel sort of get their eyes open on that one. So until next time, Victoria Garrett, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. This is me, Spencer Locker, signing off for the T2 Hub. See you next time. <laughs>